Hello listeners, it's Jamie Calabrese. I was talking to my mom about this project and she said she really wants to dive into these end of life conversations as she currently offers regular support to my grandmother, who we call Mammy. My mom said to me, I would love advice on how to bring up the conversation around death and dying with Mammy. I was shocked really. I just assumed end of life was something they discussed, but no. My mom has said things like, you look like you have something on your mind. Is there something you would like to talk about? But Mammy doesn't ever take the bait. My mom and Mammy are certainly not alone. Whether you're wanting to discuss the elephant in the room with a person who is terminally ill or with a loved one who is aging and knows there is time here is limited, or if you just want to be prepared in case your loved one brings the topic up to you, this conversation is for you. I'm so grateful and happy to welcome the beautiful, gentle, warm, and compassionate mm-hmm. Ellen Knapp today with her wealth of experience and wisdom. Ellen is a certified geriatric care manager, as well as an artist and a psychotherapist who has been working in elder care for 25 years. She works to empower and enable elders to assume as much agency and authority in their world as they can. She is respected and loved by her clients because of her empathy and appreciation for elders and for their children and caregivers. I must say that it's very fitting to be having today's conversation on my grandmother's 93rd birthday. Happy birthday, Mammy, and welcome to Ellen. Hi, Ellen. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your time with us today. Thank you so much, Jamie. It's really nice to be here with you. As you listen to that anecdote about my mom and grandmother, was that surprising to you? Is that something that's common? It's really common. And I think in our culture, the discussion of death, we've been trained to think of it in negative terms. And of course, not everybody is the same, but a lot of older people, they don't know how to talk about it. And in fact, I think they may think of it as a taboo subject. And so it isn't just the one sort of person that you're with who may be awkward or private about talking about death. I think it's fairly generally a cultural way of thinking. There are are exceptions too, of course. There are some people who are very open. But I'd say in general, mostly we find that older people in these times have kind of grown up with the notion that it's it's not an open subject. It's it's a private thing and in fact it may have some kind of sense of defeat or negativity associated with it. Yeah, I believe that's true. And I mentioned this to you when we were talking earlier that I think there is kind of a universal fear or avoidance. And in my own experience, whenever my friend Allison brought the subject up to me, and when she said to me, I'm dying, Mm -hmm. my first response was, you know, are you sure? How do you know? And then I could feel this kind of retreat inside of me Mm -hmm. that, that I fought for her sake because I wanted to hold that with her. 
but I was surprised at how averse I was to saying mm-hmm. that out loud yeah. and to talking about it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's so important that we're having this conversation because I think it's something that we all need to talk about. Yeah. We prepare for so many things in our life. Yeah. We talk about so many things. Yeah. And this experience that we will all go through one day, yeah. you know, it should yeah. not be a taboo subject. Well, I wanted to bring up one organization that came about because of exactly what you're talking about, and it's called the Conversation Project. And it was started by a woman named Ellen Goodman, who was a journalist, and she used to write for the Boston Globe. And we used to get her columns here in Boulder in that Boulder Daily Camera. But the story goes that her father was diagnosed with an illness, let's say cancer. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But the family was very awkward in being able to discuss the fact that he may not live very long. And he was really struggling with being able to talk about it. And so while he was still alive, she became inspired and I think sort of developed a family way of talking about death and dying of our loved ones and ourselves that is now a wonderful, free system that she developed and it's called the Conversation Project. And it includes not only ways to think and talk about death and dying, but also end-of-life paperwork and all kinds of things that can be shared as a family to begin to work on together to approach end of life. So that's just something wonderful that everybody should know about. And I think the link is the conversation conversationproject.org. And I know here in Boulder, they have an office and there are free counselors that you can call if you are beginning to be near somebody who is dying or has a terminal diagnosis. These are free counselors, and and that's just a service that I think came about because of what you're talking about, too, is that we have such a difficult time talking about death and dying. So I just wanted to put that out. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that resource. And I'll be sure to put the link on our website with the show notes so that people yeah. can find it easily. Yeah, yeah. And it's so important to have the practical guides out there, right? Because that's when you're avoiding the topic, then you're avoiding all of this preparation that needs to be done. And then, you know, as we dig deeper into our conversation today, the other really important aspect of this is this emotional piece. Yeah. Right. And so I'd like to ask, do you have advice on how to broach the subject, how to even bring it up with your person? What came to my mind was to consider what their spiritual orientation is. And for instance, I was raised in an Episcopalian church. And so our belief is that when we die, we go to heaven. And so I think to begin to talk a little bit with an older person about maybe in general terms, what is their belief? about what happens when they die. You know, that could be a way to sort of open the door 
that is a little bit safer than saying, I'd like to talk about death and dying or something too blunt. So maybe go into the spiritual part of their lives. And I think sometimes with the people that I work with, it is such a personal and private subject that I find that I, I don't want to just bring it up for the same reasons we've been saying too arbitrarily. I think once I get to know people and I'm often accompanying them to their medical appointments, sometimes as we ride along in the car, which is a nice time because you're kind of parallel, you're not facing each other, it can be sort of a little bit more of an open, slightly abstract way of having a conversation and just to delicately talk about things. For instance, my mother had a, a pretty severe stroke, which she survived. And she began to talk about how she probably wouldn't be around for very long. And it made me cry. You know, it is so emotional. And then it was a little bit tough for her that I was crying. And so you just never know how it's going to go. But I think just having a lot of sensitivity and being willing to stay with it. Yes. You mentioned your mother saying, I'm not sure how much longer I'll be around. or I don't think I'm going to be around much longer. Is that kind of an opening? Do you think that that's them reaching out and wanting for you yeah. to, to talk about that more? I think so, for sure. If a person does that, I would take it as a bid for wanting to talk, even if it's a little one. It's a little hand raise, like, yeah, I want to talk about this. You're with me and I'm saying it to you. I mean, they don't just say it for no reason. I think it'll help a person open the door and then maybe you can explore kind of delicately what they need. Maybe all they need was to say that. Maybe what they need is to hear you, the other person, offer what you are thinking and how you feel about their life and end of life. Maybe they need some real reassurance. And I think for all of us, there's this element of being alone. I think as death gets closer, we do die alone for the most part. And then I think there's the loss of the person. Once, you know, when my mom died, I was so stunned by how final it was. So even though we can all know, yeah, we're all going to die, every animal we have is going to die, every house we live in is eventually going to collapse, like we know it in an abstract way and sort of an unfeeling way, I guess. But when it happens, there's every reason to understand why it's a big deal, because it is. Every single one. There's that feeling like when my mom died or my father they were gone forever. I was never going to see them or hear their voice again. And you feel that even when you're approaching it. There's in the hospice world, there's a term called anticipatory grief. Like say when a person is terminally ill or they have a dementia that is really changing them and you can sort of intuit that they are winding down and maybe more and more quickly as the days go by. And so there's this anticipatory grief. You start grieving them while you're still sitting with them and talking to them. Because it is a big deal. I mean, I was just thinking it's probably on the level of a birth. 
we don't do it over and over. It's one time. And as families, yeah, I think so many families get there into anticipatory grief and, like you were saying, dodge it, try to change the subject and maybe even avoid thinking about it because the emotions are so powerful. So I love that you're opening this up because I think the way in is probably based on what, if the person who is old or terminally ill or is like your friend, knowing that they're going to die, I think it's a real partnership kind of conversation, like a dance, like you, you sense how they are and what they want and how much they want to talk. Do they want to talk again? Can we be partners together? Because once they go, it's like your friend. There's a hole in your life that she left when she went away. So that aloneness, you know. Yes, absolutely. I love the idea of letting them guide. Like you said, I can imagine the dance where they're leading and you're there for support and you're leaning into it. And with that said, because it's not a conversation that's had often, because it may be the first dance for both of you, do you have some places that it can go, some topics that might come up that from your experience, things that tend to come up regularly, whether it's initially spirituality, but maybe talking about unfinished business or Mm. if they have any wishes that they would like or any memories to write down. Mm. You know, I'm just making these things up in this moment, but you have real experience. So you could probably shed some light on that. Well, it's interesting. I think the difference between what I have experienced and what I would like to see developed in our culture, there's kind of a journey there because my experience is mostly with people who have their families and their people around them. And I'm sort of helping, coaching those people being able to be together. And people naturally want to be at the bedside of their dying parent. They just do, most people I can say. And yet, I think the things you just mentioned are things that I would love to see more accepted and developed in our culture. I listened to a podcast with a palliative care doctor you may have heard of named B.J. Miller. He's a palliative care physician in San Francisco, and he has a book called, I'll have to send you the name of it, but I think it's A Beginner's Guide to the End. And he and another woman wrote this book because there are conversations, like you're saying, that it would be so nice to have, like unfinished business being one of them, but there's also those four points that some people are familiar with, which is I love you, I forgive you, thank you. And there's one other, they may have put it in, which is, I'm proud of you. Because he was saying, I think that there was a man and his son, and the man was dying, and they were working at this conversation very tenderly, saying the things they really wanted to be sure that were said between the two of them. And that they spontaneously came to was, I'm proud of you. 
And that could be said to both, to the elderly man, I'm proud of how you lived your life. Look at the things you did and how you raised us. And likewise from him to his son, you know, I'm really proud of you. So I guess in my experience, I'm kind of more coming from sort of old school of being sort of minimal and really just being present. And often people who are dying do have sort of parting words that just come to mind, like, I had a good life. And a lot of people say, I was so lucky. I think when you're really down to the last few days, I think that state of mind is probably much more present. I was so lucky. And I know my great aunt, who I was named after, when she was dying, she said, don't feel guilty. It's a waste of time. So there are wisdom, little pearls that kind of can come about. But yeah, my experience has been more of sort of tending as much as people want to and feel comfortable as to develop a sense of a team together. Like probably there will be hospice around. Usually these days hospice is called in almost invariably. And so you have wonderful physicians and hospice nurses who are trained in how much to bring in or get close to the family and friends and how much to sort of stay back. But that can be a real comfort is that sense of a team so you can talk to each other about what's going on. And I guess back to the original question, it would be nice if we could talk about what people think is next. Where are they going? Are they going to see their relatives again? Or are they of a way of thinking that this is a rebirth? More and more people are thinking about that. Like, I'm going to take another birth. You know, maybe I'll be reborn. I would love to know what people think about when they close their eyes and take their last breath. Could it be comforting to them to, to say that out loud to somebody? Where are you going? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where are we going to meet again? Yeah. Yeah. I heard a, a beautiful story about a woman whose mother was passing away. And that night she dreamed that her mom was standing out on the street and this bus pulled up and it was full of all of these relatives. Oh my God. Passed on. And they were all there excited and ready to see her and welcoming her to join them, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was her time. And so I imagine that people think of all sorts of things as their, mm -hmm. as their homecoming or, mm -hmm. or as the, the next space that they'll be moving into. I think people are fortunate, especially if they do have a belief system that has some sort of beautiful place that they're going to go. Because I've spoken to some people who don't have that. And I don't know how it'll be for them when they die. And I'm not saying that their system is not as good, but it is a question, do we think, is, is going to happen? So I, I don't know in terms of your question about a conversation to have with a, a person who still can talk to you while they are approaching end of life. That might be a softer way of, of going in instead of questions that may trigger grief and guilt and other things, I think. Yeah. That makes sense. I appreciate that. Do you think it would be appropriate 
on the topic of if someone doesn't have a belief one way or the other, or they don't know, maybe that's scary for them because they really say, I don't believe anything. I don't, I don't know what to believe. Mm -hmm. I guess, again, it would be the dance then to say, well, do you want to hear what I believe or what some people believe and kind of help them? Maybe they haven't really dug into it. And now they're open to it. Now they're like, I'd mm -hmm. like to know some, some options here. Yeah. Well, what I've heard on that topic is that some people are very comfortable with thinking this is it. We have one life. I will die. And it's over. And that's it. Period. There's a period at the end of it. And maybe they're fine with it, but it makes me wonder if, if that's so, is there anything that they would like to talk about in terms of what their life meant to them? Or is there, like you were saying, unfinished business? Is there anything they might want to say or write down or write a letter to anybody that is still in their mind as sort of a person that they're thinking about that maybe they have wishes in one direction or another that they would like to express to that person. But, you know, that does apply, I would think, to anybody. Yeah, I think the conversation about what we all think, again, is just everybody's so different. That's one thing I know for sure, where there's no kind of uh, formula, which is kind of wonderful. Yeah. If you can be with that and just sort of approach. But I think the fact that you want to approach the subject and maybe people as they die, I think even your presence in being that way will be a comfort and a possible invitation. And it's really wonderful. Thank you for that. Thinking about what you mentioned with writing a letter or unfinished business. I also think if there are really fond memories mm -hmm. that they may want to discuss and you could offer to write down so that exactly. those could be carried on. What a great or idea. Something, something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, more and more people are actually writing little biography, autobiographies. I know somebody who put together a wonderful kind of picture book of himself and it's just sort of simple but it takes him from childhood up to the present day and now that we have ways of making our own picture books maybe we shouldn't be too nervous about that as if we're being egotistical or something I mean it could be nice to do sort of something to leave behind for other people sort of a treasury of of ourselves and them together and what we believe. I also think there are more and more people who, like you, are really curious about recording people's memories and philosophies and things like that. It could be a wonderful thing to do for somebody, anybody who's facing death, to kind of help them appreciate and revel in what happened in their lives and be able to share it. And maybe we could encourage that more. Yeah, I love that. I was lucky enough to know a great-great-grandmother. Oh, yeah. I was very close to a great-grandmother yeah. who had incredible stories of strength. Yeah. 
my parents have these beautiful stories and for the future generations to mm-hmm. have these stories and to like know what they're made of, what I know. know what's in their bones, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. I'm in my late sixties and I'm beginning to think about how much time I have left because I have a new grandson. And so it really put a spotlight on doing the math. Like, okay, I'm 67. In 10 years, I'll be 77. He'll be 10. Okay, in 20 years, I never used to sort of add it up that way. I'll be 87 years old. And so there's a sense of time being more kind of contained. And uh, people my age, I'm finding, are much more apt to talk about those things. And so in, in my kind of age group, I think you begin to feel it. And so I'm glad that my friends and I, many of them seem to be interested in, in facing what we want to do now. I mean, it's not exactly bucket list type thinking. It's more like the preciousness of what we want to do and, and continue to be and what we, what we have done. And yeah, you just begin to be a little bit more sensitive about the preciousness of life. And you never know when something's going to happen, whether it's an accident or an illness coming or what have you. It becomes much more possible that things could happen to you. So in my mind, instead of it being like my son said to me, it's like, why are you thinking about that? And I think based on his not wanting any of those things to happen to me, but also not seeing all these days and months ahead of me are special now, you know? And I think it's great to be able to to see that and say it to certain people. Obviously, younger people may not want to hear it. Even if I tell them about the conversation project and how they too could get killed or develop an illness, they should think about it too. They should fill out their end-of-life paperwork too because it does happen. Younger people die and get sick and have accidents. And so Of course, when you're young, you know, you think you're indestructible and that your future is very limitless. But if we can have a sort of normalized, I don't feel like dwelling on it, but I just want to highlight that life is precious. You know, we just don't know what's ahead. It's so true. And I have to say, again, with the passing of my dear friend, it was also a wake up call for me. Like yeah. this is a person my age. Mm-hmm. Like how how did that happen? That doesn't yeah. happen, right? Yeah. And then with this project, when I first told my husband I was going to be having all of these conversations about death, he was a little concerned because I'm an emotional person. I'm very empathetic. Yeah. I hold a lot of feelings. And he was like, is this going to be healthy for you? Is this going to be hard on you? And what I have found is by having these conversations and acknowledging that we are all going to die, that I am actually inspired to live a better life. That's right. That I wake up thinking today is precious Mm -hmm. and I don't let things that used to bother me or bring me down get in my way like they used to, right? There's been this real shift from the acknowledgement. So there's something really healthy and beautiful and, and just acknowledging our mortality. 
every yeah. single one of us. I think there are cultures that do that from the day you're born. And I want to go down to Oaxaca and participate in the Day of the Dead because I think that's what it's for. It's for, of course, celebrating people who have died, you know, your ancestors and continuing to love them and cherish them. But it's also a reminder for any age person that death comes without warning. That is a Buddhist fundamental statement. Death comes without warning. And I think the purpose is, like you say, is to make use of your life and to really wake up and be present in your life. So the focus on death in some cultures is for that reason. You see certain art forms where there are pictures of skulls and skeletons and that kind of thing. And I that's what it is because actually life is so kind of tenuous. We take it for granted. And to come face to face with a dying person in a certain way is one of the biggest blessings I can imagine. I used to have an assisted living home and I hadn't been around a lot of dying people or seen very many corpses. And it's sort of beyond words. There's something so shocking and inspiring and it feels like a blessing to be able to see it because after the person dies, their body begins to disintegrate pretty quickly. So there's this little moment where you can be with them. And you don't know if their spirit is around or their consciousness. You don't know. You just sort of feel these things. And often after a person dies, right away, it feels to me like the room is full of this love and kind of relief. And it is sort of palpable. The ones that we're lucky enough to be with as they die, that's a true gift. It yeah, really is. So beautifully said. Thank you for that. It makes me think people that are listening right now are going through this incredibly difficult time. But as you said, it's a gift to know that this time is precious yeah. that they have with this person. How are you going to use and spend these last days together that, that are a gift? Yeah. And even the uh, emotions associated with loss, like grief and sorrow and Anything else that people feel that is hard to feel, I think of those as being sacred feelings too and not to be considered negative or that for some reason a person shouldn't feel them or for some reason a person is doing it wrong or they're weak or whatever. All of that belongs in life too. It all belongs as a sacred part of the process of birth and death. And so to learn, there are wonderful grief counselors around talking to your friends and family about your feelings because they feel it too even if it's hard to feel but it's the kind of stuff you can share and there's so many beautiful religions I'm not Jewish but I have a lot of Jewish friends and the process of washing the body and they have so many incredible rituals for end of life that I would like to know more about it's beautiful and they're together or the Catholic Church same thing a lot of beautiful to get people being together and walking through these the whole process together and then after death so yeah and these are great topics to explore yeah. i would love to speak to someone of the jewish faith and talk to oh, them yeah. about that tradition oh yeah 
and Asian cultures and all over the world, how do they go through life and death together? It, it does happen to be one of the most beautiful parts of any spiritual tradition. I think it's very inspiring. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I am so thankful that you shared your time with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you here for and, doing this. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Before we go, I would just like to say a bit of gratitude for this precious day. Yeah, good. Yeah. I feel it too. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you found our conversation to be useful. For me, a big takeaway is that we are not alone. Talking about dying is uncomfortable for most people. I will continue to dig into ways to shift the conversation from fear and discomfort to curiosity and peace in future episodes. Remember to check out the Conversation Project as it is a great resource for navigating this time. Go to theconversationproject.org. Also, keep in mind that religious beliefs are a great way to open up softly with your loved one and that I love you, I forgive you, thank you, and I am proud of you are other beautiful openings and ways to offer closure. These are found in B.J. Miller's book, A Beginner's Guide to the End, which is another wonderful resource. If you know someone who would benefit from this information, please share this episode with them. And if you appreciate what we are doing, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening and sharing your time with us. Take care.